Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we are about to open your holy word, and we pray that your word indeed may speak to us, to each one of us, to all of us. Dear Heavenly Father, sometimes even during prayer, even during the reading of your word, even during the most intimate discussions, we uh, are not able to focus. We somehow are not able to really pray and listen and understand. And so we pray, Lord, that as we now read your word, that all of us may be tremendously grasped by the meaning and by the significance and the life of your holy word. Bless each one of us. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit's operations in every day's life, but also very particularly in the church. Bless the people who are here, and bless all your people throughout the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let us open the Bible as we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 2. Now, I had hoped that we could have a video introduction, but I think, dear brothers, is, is it working? Okay. So that's very good. After the scripture reading, we will have a very short video introduction to the church in Smyrna. Now, I've been busy with uh, the seven churches, and the first church, as you know, is to Ephesus, and that talks about you have left your first love. And that, of course, is a terrible thing. The church was very busy, but they left the first love of the Lord. And then the second is Smyrna. And the central theme of uh, the church in Smyrna is, I know your affliction, and I know your poverty, but you are rich. And so, in a little while, we will see an introduction when I tell the people to do it. Second Corinthians chapter 1, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives 
So also through Christ, our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. And then Revelation, the last book of the Bible, chapter 2, these words, To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Thus far the reading of our scripture readings for this morning. So a small introduction to the church and the churches of uh, Revelation 2 and 3, and particularly about Polycarp. Remember we said that Polycarp sat at the feet of the Apostle John and that in turn Polycarp taught Irenaeus? We'll meet these two heroes next and demonstrate the amazing chain of continuity back to Jesus and the Apostles. Polycarp had his priorities straight. He knew that in life it was crucial to prepare for death and the afterlife. Listen to his own words. Knowing that we brought nothing into the world, and we will carry nothing out of it, 
Let us take up the armor of righteousness and teach ourselves to walk in the commandments of the Lord. To meet Polycarp, we have to travel east, back to Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. Here, let me show you. We'll be leaving Clement in Rome, and we'll be traveling across Greece to Izmir, which in ancient times was Smyrna. We could take the ancient sea routes, but we'll take the famous Roman roads. Ready for a hike? Let's go. Recent excavations make it possible to walk the very streets where Polycarp and Irenaeus walked. These are the remains of a large agora, the first century marketplace. Imagine stepping back in time, only to find out that Bishop Polycarp and the church in Smyrna are going to meet in your house tonight. Guess what? You'd come here to the Agora to do your shopping for the meal. Izmir is the third largest city in Turkey. In biblical times, it was called Smyrna. It claimed to be the birthplace of Homer, the Greek poet. And when you read the book of Revelation, you'll notice that St. John wrote a letter to the church in Smyrna. Polycarp has become one of my heroes. I'm still deeply moved every time I read the story of his martyrdom. And my son Jesse even chose Polycarp as his confirmation name. But to our modern ears, Polycarp sounds like a funny name. Remember we discussed polytheism and we said that poly meant many? Well, what do you think polycarp means? I'll give you a hint. It doesn't mean many fish. <laughs> In Greek, the word carp means fruit. So it appears that his parents expected polycarp to bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. We can assume that polycarp had Christian parents who baptized him as an infant. Before his death, polycarp said, for 86 years I have served him. Based on that, it's pretty obvious that he was a Christian from his first days. Just as a side note, since I mentioned Polycarp's death, the arena where Polycarp was martyred was on the hillside above the Agora, right up there. But it doesn't exist anymore. The land is now covered with houses. How would you like some very interesting guests to come to your home? What if you could talk with first and second century Christians, people who were friends with those who had known Jesus when he walked on the face of the earth? You can, through books. That's so exciting to me. Oh, for example, Irenaeus writes about the time when he was a boy here in Smyrna learning from Bishop Polycarp. Listen to what he says. I can describe the place where the blessed Polycarp sat and talked, his daily schedule the character of his life, his personal appearance, his homilies to crowded congregations. I remember how he spoke of his friendship with John and with the others who had seen the Lord. He repeated their words from memory, telling things he'd heard them say about the Lord, his miracles and his teaching, things that Polycarp had heard direct from the eyewitnesses of the word of life. Hey.
congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure that you do what my wife and I are doing. We are in contact with many people abroad as well as here in Canada. People who need encouragement. People who really want to be helped in the way of the Lord. Because the times, as you know, are very confusing. The times are very critical. The times are very much like Matthew 24. The words that our Lord spoke about the world in great confusion. The world in which many people are being persecuted for Christ's sake. And as I think of discouragement and of depression, then I think of a particular line which one of my professors often prayed in his prayers, Dear Heavenly Father, keep us from the temptation to become discouraged. Now that is the kind of thing, as you know, that our Lord himself talked about just a few hours, a day or so, before his crucifixion. It is said of the Lord in Matthew 26, I will strike the shepherd and all the sheep will be scattered. And you remember what Peter said. And you remember what all the disciples said. None of us will leave you. None of us will forsake you. But they all deserted him. Now that is also, of course, the message of the last book of the Bible. It talks about two things particularly. In the first place, it is about the coming of our victorious Lord. It is about the coming of him who rose again, who ascended into heaven, and who now sits at the right hand of the Father. And it tells us all about the time when he will come upon the clouds of heaven and when he will take all his people to himself. But secondly, it gives us an x-ray. And all of you, I'm sure, have had an x-ray of the church of all ages and particularly of the church today and very especially in Revelation 2 and 3. Now Smyrna, as we just noticed from the introduction of the video, Smyrna today is a beautiful city and Smyrna used to be a very important place for all kinds of people in ancient Greece 
And the people in Smyrna, like the people in Ephesus, were very well-to-do, but in the midst of all that wealth and of all that godlessness, of all that idolatry, like the city of Athens of which the apostle says, I walked through your cities and I found all kinds of gods. But there is one unknown God. And that was, of course, the situation in Smyrna. In that wealth, in that godlessness, there was God's congregation. And our Lord says to them, I know your affliction. And I know your poverty. But you are rich. Now what does that mean? I know your affliction. Well, particularly two things in the city and also somehow like worming into the congregation of Jesus, there were Jews who stood against the Lord, who infiltrated God's people and who said and taught all kinds of things that were very contrary to the Holy Word of God. And you know what the Apostle John calls it? They are a synagogue of Satan. And as I said a while ago, I handed out some handouts all about Satan. And Satan, as you know, is very busy in this world, as I will explain. And secondly, the afflictions were, of course, caused by the so-called Holy Roman Empire. The Roman Empire that uh, looked upon the Christians as second and third-rate Christians or citizens. A Christian, like in many other countries today, was nothing. And so the Holy Roman Empire, so-called, they persecuted the Christians. And they asked the same question. What now is being asked in the mountains in Iraq by the Islamists? Are you for us or are you against us? And when you said, we are against you because we believe in the Son of God and the Son of Man, well, then they would throw you before the wild beast or they would crucify you upside down. And so the Christians, they needed the Word of God daily, as we all need it. Open the Bible, people. Be study, be busy studying the Holy Word of God continually. And they, of course, were very much in prayer. And so they were particularly encouraged, as we heard, by their particular bishop, by the elder in the congregation of Smyrna, and his name was Polycarp, as we heard, much fruit 
You will know them by their fruit, polycarp. Now let me read to you what Eusebius. Eusebius was an historian, and he lived in the year 300. 300. And he wrote in his book, The History of the Church, he wrote this about Polycarp. Now you listen. Polycarp stepped forward and was asked by the proconsul, an officer in the Roman army, if he really was Polycarp. When he said yes, the proconsul urged him to deny the charge. Respect your years, the proconsul exclaimed, adding similar appeals regularly made on such occasions. Swear by Caesar's fortune. Change your attitude and say, away with the godless. But Colliparb with his face set, looked at all the crowd in the stadium and waved his hand towards them and he sighed and he looked up to heaven and he cried, away with the godless. The governor pressed him further, swear and I will set you free. Deny the Lord. Deny Christ. And Polycarp replied, for 86 years I've been his servant and he has never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? And the proconsul said, I have wild beasts. I will throw you to them if you don't change your attitude. Call them, call them, replied the old Polycarp. We cannot change our attitude if it means a change from better to worse. But it is a splendid thing to change from cruelty to justice. And when he was about to be put on the stake and to be burned to death, Polycarp prayed, O Father, of thy beloved and blessed Son, Jesus Christ, through whom we have come to know thee, the God of angels and powers and all creation, and of the whole family of the righteous who live in thy presence, I bless thee for counting me worthy of this day and hour, that in the number of the martyrs I may partake of Christ's cup to the resurrection of eternal life of both soul and body in the imperishability that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when he had offered up the Amen and completed his prayer, 
the men in charge lit the fire and a great flame shot up. Well, that is the kind of Christianity that we need. That is the kind of Christianity that our Lord detected and knew about in the congregation in Smyrna. I know your affliction. I know your poverty. But you are rich because I, the Lord, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, I will be with you. But listen to my words and do what the Apostle John says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give to them eternal life and no one will snatch them out of my hands and they will never perish. What my Father has given me is greater than all and no one will snatch them out of my hands because I and the Father are one. And so the Holy Scriptures call each one of you by name. And each one of you should know, after so many years of knowing the Lord, what you will have to do when you are faced with the evil one far away in the mountains of Iraq, or far away when five people are shot in Tennessee or close by here in Lacombe. You have to do what James says in chapter 4, verse 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Or what Peter says in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, he will come to you as a wolf in sheep's clothing. Or as we read in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, don't let Satan outwit you. Don't let Satan fool you. For indeed, as the apostle says, we know his schemes, we know his tactics, and therefore, I will give you the crown. I will give you the crown of righteousness if you remain faithful unto my holy word. If you keep my commandments. If you do what the apostle says in that glorious statement, and it was the very first sermon that I had to put together, had to make when I went to seminary in Philadelphia 2 Timothy 2 verse 19 nevertheless the apostle says to Timothy nevertheless and of course that means in contradiction to all that is happening in the world nevertheless the foundation of God stands sure 
And it bears this sign. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone that names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And that is the constant theme of the Bible. It is the theme of the song of Mary after she had heard the tremendous news, Mary, you will be favored among the women. And then Mary, she began to sing and she began to jubilate unto the Lord. He has given food to the hungry. And he sent her rich away. And the same with Zechariah. Zechariah could not believe his ears and his eyes that he was going to have a son, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And so he begins to sing. And he begins to say, the prophet from on high, Jesus, he will shine on those who are in darkness and in the shadow of death. Now perhaps there is one here this morning. Perhaps there are some here this morning who are in the shadow of death. That is to say, spiritual death. People who have been going to church for years and years, but who still do not know Jesus, who still have not knelt down at the cross of Calvary, who still do not know about, I know your affliction, and I know your poverty, but you are rich. Come to me with all your burdens. Come to me with all your, all your questions and doubts and longings and disturbances and afflictions. Come to me. Don't wait any longer. Kneel at the cross of Calvary. Kneel right now before the Lord. And you will know me. And you will receive in your heart, in your life, the Holy Spirit of God. And he will dwell in you. And he will show you all the riches and treasures of all the knowledge and of all the wisdom in Christ Jesus the Lord. So do not wait any longer. Is there someone who has been waiting here for years and who still does not know the Lord? Come to Jesus. Kneel in his very presence. And then accept what he wants to give to you. And remember what he wants to give, oh dearly. Dearly has he loved. And you must love him too. And trust in his redeeming blood. And try his works to do. And so when you come to Jesus... And when you know him, 
You will do two things. You will do two things. You will start today by conscientiously and very seriously reading your Bible. And you will discover the newness of the Holy Word of God. And secondly, you will begin to pray. You will begin to say, Dear Heavenly Father, like Polycarp, which means many fruit. And you will begin to say, Lord God, thank you that I am one of the redeemed. Thank you that I may live in you. And I consider, as the Apostle says in Romans 8 verse 18, I consider the sufferings of this very present world nothing to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. And as you pray, you will pray for Pastor Asid, who has been in prison in Iran for a number of years, and who has a wife and children, and who will pray with thousands of others that he may be redeemed and relieved from that terrible situation. And as you pray, you will think of the 28 Christians that were executed by the Islamic State in Ethiopia and in Liberia. And as you pray, you will indeed pray for 27 Christians that were killed by Boko Haram in Nigeria. And you will pray for the thousands of Christians that are persecuted all over the world. Your focus of prayer becomes wider. Yes, you will pray for the dear old sister in your church who is suffering from Alzheimer's. And yes, you will pray for your grandchildren, some of whom have drifted away, who don't care about the Lord anymore. And yes, you will pray for your neighbor who is a godless person, who doesn't care about the Lord. But you will pray for all God's people. You read your Bible and you pray and you open up to your fellow Christians and you say, hey, are you still praying? Now listen, are you still reading your Holy Bible? If you don't, maybe I can help you. I will pray for you and maybe I will come over Thursday afternoon and read the Bible with you. And as we do these things, oh, the Lord, he, in his splendor and in his radiance and in his glory will more and more reveal to you all that he has revealed in his holy word. And as you come closer to the day, the day of the Lord, you will see him as he is. And he will embrace you. 
And he will say, dear son, dear daughter, I have loved you even before the mountains stood. I have loved you from everlasting to everlasting. And then you will be with the Lord, with all his children. Oh, dearly, dearly has he loved. And we must love him too. And trust in his redeeming blood. And try his works to do. Amen. Our song of response will